Welcome to another episode of Mike's Money Picks. Today on the podcast, we are going to be previewing week 18 in the NFL, the last week of the regular season. This is basically more of a DFS episode than a season-long fantasy episode, because I'll be honest, if your season-long fantasy league is still playing in week 18, you're probably doing it wrong. Unless maybe the bills Bengals game circumstances maybe changed your league up a little bit, uh, you probably shouldn't be playing in Week 18 to begin with. So I'm going to go over a lot of plays in this episode that are going to be my favorite plays for Week 18 in DFS on FanDuel and DraftKings. And going to go through, break it down at every position, and then do our top three stacks at the very end. Now, if you are looking for a DFS preview for Saturday's NFL games, we got two games going on on Saturday, Chiefs, Raiders, and Titans, Jaguars. That is on the podcast feed. It was released yesterday, so go give that a listen if you are playing DFS on Saturday. And... College Football National Championship is Monday, and DraftKings and FanDuel are offering showdown slates for that game, and we did release an episode yesterday covering that as well. We talked about some tips to playing showdown, as well as give you everything you need to know about the Georgia and TCU matchup. So if you've never played DFS college football before, if you haven't watched college football all season, there's enough information in that episode that you can give it a listen and play your showdown lineup on Monday and have some success with that TCU versus Georgia game. If you like watching college football but have never played DFS, it'd be a great time to start. It's easy to make a lineup for a showdown slate, and I do think that all the necessary information that you'll need to make a good lineup is in that episode. All right, so this will be our last episode of the week, so you can catch us back on here on Monday. Uh, As always, if you want my full DFS picks, the college basketball picks were really good last night. Head on over to the Patreon, patreon.com slash Mike's Money Picks. And if you want some extra stats and facts that I don't always get to during the episode, uh, follow me on Twitter at Mike's Money Picks. I'm more than happy to answer any lineup start sick questions on Twitter. All right, so that does it for the introduction. We're going to go ahead and talk about first the state of all teams heading into week 18 and then we will break down the quarterback position running backs receivers tight ends and then our top three stacks all right so let's go ahead and dive into it but first a quick word from our friends at anchor One of the good things about this particular week 18 in the NFL is that there's not a whole lot of teams that are uh, like for sure resting starters. There's a lot of teams that have been out of the playoff picture for a while now and have continued to play hard even though there's no postseason in it for them. And there's a lot of teams that are in the postseason that have a lot of seeding to play for. Like they're, you know, they it would be an advantage for them to win the game as opposed to, you know, let's just go ahead and tank this one and move on to the playoffs. Now, there are three teams that could have clinched playoff spots, but have motivation to rest players. The Bucks are locked into the four seed in the NFC playoff picture, win or lose. The Giants are locked into the six seed in the NFC, win or lose. And the Los Angeles Chargers, it will depend on the outcome of the Baltimore-Cincinnati game as to whether or not they are locked into the five seed. So those three teams might be inclined to rest starters. They haven't announced that they're resting any starters yet, but it's just something to monitor, and I wouldn't exactly be racing to play any of those quarterbacks just in case they get pulled early. Now, there are some other teams that I would be sketchy about. These teams are going into the game with backup quarterbacks, and so to me, that's always a little bit of a red flag if a team's playing a backup quarterback, then they might be inclined to play backups at other positions, and those are the Bears, Colts, Saints, and Cardinals. Uh, However, 
a lot of those teams already have skill position guys who are injured and already have young guys in those positions anyway. So uh, in this type of situation, teams are always going to be inclined to play youth or, you know, and guys that they aren't invested in long term. You, you know, If they've got rookies that they want to see what they've got, this is a time to put them on a showcase. So those four teams, I might be inclined to kind of just a little bit of a grain of salt on those four. All right, so now let's go ahead and talk about the quarterbacks. So Josh Allen and Joe Burrow are the top two options on this DraftKings and FanDuel slate this Sunday, and they have everything to play for. You know, potentially there's a difference between a one seed and a five seed uh, for Cincinnati, and there's a difference between a one seed and a three seed for Buffalo. So both of these teams are going to be playing to win. So let's talk about Josh Allen first. The one thing that's kind of concerning about Josh Allen is he has not been great against New England, not including the playoffs. He only averages 18.9 fantasy points per game in his career against the New England Patriots. Now, if you're sitting there thinking, wait a minute, Mike, you're kind of cherry picking there. At the start of his career, he wasn't a great fantasy quarterback. Okay, so let's just look at the last three seasons since 2020 when he was QB1 and Stefan Diggs arrived in Buffalo. Just since then, he only averages 21 fantasy points per game against New England. And I don't know about you, but that's not going to cut it out of a guy that is a salary as expensive as Josh Allen. However, like I said, this team has everything to play for. They're going to give it all that they got, and they're probably going to score quite a bit of points. So I don't think the history is there, but I do think the opportunity is there today for or this week for Josh Allen to have a big game. So Joe Burrow, you know, Monday night game notwithstanding, had 27, 31, and 18 fantasy points in his last three games against Baltimore, and he has at least 25 points in four out of his last six games, period. So Joe Burrow is on an absolute tear, and like I said, they have everything to play for, and he does well against Baltimore. Now, the one thing that is concerning, I was like hugely concerned about this on last week's episode. The Bengals are playing with some backup offensive linemen, and the drop-off is pretty significant. However, if you watch the first quarter of that Buffalo game, they were getting the ball out of Joe's hands very quickly, and his receivers were helping him out by being very open. So uh, I definitely think that I'm concerned about the time he's going to have to throw, but I think it just means that he's going to be getting the ball out of his hands quicker. I don't think he's going to be sitting back there taking the deep shots like he has over the course of the season, and maybe he's going to throw it a little bit shorter, a little bit quicker out of his hands than usual. Now, i got three more quarterbacks that I do really like. The first one is Dak Prescott of the Dallas Cowboys. So Washington's defense is a defense that you kind of have to throw on, right? They just gave up a season high to Deshaun Watson. You know, 21 fantasy points from Deshaun Watson last week against the Commanders defense was Deshaun's season high. And the Commanders are a top five defense against running backs. So, like, you have to throw on this team to be successful. And that kind of backs up, you know, Dak's history against Washington. Last game Dak played against Washington last season, he had 31 fantasy points. And against Washington in his entire career, he averages 21 fantasy points. So I think that the uh, Dak is in a great spot. They still have the potential one seed to play for in Dallas if Philly happens to lose. So I think that this is a good spot to deploy Dak Prescott, and I think that he will have success thrown against that commander secondary. Kirk Cousins, I think, is an intriguing option because the Bears, I think, are going in full tank mode. Their defense has been just utterly terrible recently, and the Vikings need a bounce-back game. Like, that was probably one of the most demoralizing regular season losses that I have seen in a long time, where they come in and they're supposed to be, you know, two seed playing with the one seed on the line because Philly lost earlier in the day. 
And Green Bay just spanks them, and they can do nothing offensively. And so I think the Vikings really want to have a good bounce-back game before heading into the playoffs. And so I think that this is a great opportunity to do so because the Chicago Bears have given up 20-plus fantasy points to quarterbacks in four straight games. I think Kirk Cousins can very easily make it five. Even if you're worried about a blowout risk, the reason that this would be a blowout risk is because Kirk Cousins throws for four touchdowns in the first half. And if he does that, you're going to be okay with the result, right? So I think that this is still a good spot for Kirk Cousins, even if you're worried about the blowout risk. Brock Purdy of the San Francisco 49ers has been a pretty good model of consistency. He's had at least 16.5 fantasy points in every game that he's started, and that is currently 2.89 times his salary. And I'll be honest, if the floor is 2.89 times his salary, that's pretty good. If you were to equate that to Josh Allen's salary, that would be the equivalent to Josh Allen scoring 24.3 fantasy points. And while we wouldn't be ecstatic if Josh Allen did that for us, that's not a bad number at all. And I think it would be much easier for Purdy to hit value than it would be for Josh Allen to hit value just because of that floor and the salary that he's currently at. The, his opponent, the uh, Arizona Cardinals, are currently 23rd to quarterbacks in total points, and they are the 13th best matchup to quarterback in schedule-adjusted fantasy points. So I definitely think that Brock Purdy is in a good spot. He's got an elite-level floor this week playing against Arizona. All right, so that does it for the quarterback position. We're going to go ahead and take a quick breather and then switch on over to running backs. So in a week where quite a few of the top running back options could be rested, like Saquon Barkley and Austin Eckler, I think this is a great week to pay all the way up for Christian McCaffrey. Arizona is the second softest team to just receiving running backs. They give up that many points to running backs catching the ball out of the backfield, which is McCaffrey's bread and butter. Now, the only concern is McCaffrey has been seeing like this absolute elite level usage, being on the field all the time, getting carries all the time, getting targets all the time, when Elijah Mitchell has been out of the lineup. And Kyle Shanahan is indicating that Elijah Mitchell is likely to come back and play this game. So that is my only concern is that McCaffrey's like 90% snap share might turn into like a 70% snap share. So I think that limits his upside just a little bit. But San Francisco's got a lot to play for, and it's a great matchup there against Arizona. I really like the entire San Francisco offense against that Arizona defense heading into this week. Dalvin Cook of Minnesota draws a great matchup against Chicago. They're 31st overall against running backs, and they're the sixth best matchup to running backs schedule-adjusted fantasy points. That means that pretty much when you look at team's averages heading into a certain game, the Bears give up more than the team's average as they come into the game against the Bears. So really good matchup for Dalvin Cook. However, my one concern is that Minnesota lost two offensive linemen last week to injury. And I think offensive linemen injuries, they definitely impact quarterbacks with their time to throw, but they really impact running backs with those running lanes and with those gaps that they have to run through. So that's a little bit of a concern. But like I said, Chicago is such a bad defense and this game is probably going to turn into a blowout. I definitely think this is a good spot for Dalvin Cook. If you are concerned about maybe, you know, they get up and they start giving Alexander Madison the ball because, you know, Dalvin Cook's a little bit injury prone. So if they start giving Alexander Madison the ball, like you can just, if you're concerned about that, you can avoid this situation and just not play Dalvin Cook. Or you can lean into it and play with a lot of leverage and play Alexander Madison. So that's just something to think about. I would be more inclined to play Cook because, like I said, if this game is a blowout, it's going to be because Kirk or Cook broke off a long touchdown run and you'll be satisfied. So I'm not overly concerned about you know that potential happening. Now, a guy that I really like, and so I've been kind of 
looking back at a lot of my picks on her, I've been getting out a lot of chalk picks on the DFS shows. Guys that come in, there's a slate, and they're really highly owned. And it's because, you know, everybody can look at matchups and see that, oh, this guy has a good matchup. This guy's been doing well recently. Okay, you know, let me plug this guy in. And so a lot of people end up playing the same players that I recommend on here. So I'm going to try to find some lower-owned guys that are going to do well for you this week. And I think the first one is going to be Najee Harris. He's a really solid play against a Cleveland team that is the fourth-best matchup for running backs and gives up five yards per carry. That's like more than Najee's career average by a lot. And last time he played Cleveland, it was much earlier in the season, but he had 14 fantasy points. The Steelers still have an outside chance at making the playoffs, and they have shown that in this recent little run they've been on, they are going back to old-school ground-and-pound Pittsburgh Steelers football, and they're doing it with Najee Harris out of the backfield. And so I think that Najee's a really good option with a really good matchup, and I think that he has burned so many people earlier in the season that he's not going to garner a whole lot of ownership on this slate. Now, there are two guys that are going to garner a lot of ownership, and that is Cam Akers and Zach Moss. Let's talk about Akers first. So the Rams are not tied long-term to Cam Akers, and he does have double-digit fantasy points and double-digit carries in five straight games. Seattle is the second-best matchup for running backs out of the entire league, and the Rams do not own their first-round pick, so they gain nothing from losing. So pretty much, the Rams have nothing to lose by just giving it to Cam Akers 40 times in this game because they're not tied to him long term and they're not trying to lose so like why would they not give it to a guy who's been effective for them and they need to figure out whether or not they're going to invest long term in him so I think this is a really good spot for Cam Akers you know all that being said it's a great matchup as well with Seattle they're one of the worst rush defenses in the league Zach Moss of the Indianapolis Colts has gotten at least 12 carries in three straight games, and now he draws Houston's dead last run defense. Houston has three straight games of giving up a 20-point performance to a running back. So I really do like Zach Moss with this matchup. If you want to kind of make a little bit of a leverage play, you can pivot to Deion Jackson. I think it would be more likely that Jackson would go off if Houston were to somehow like take the lead in this game or you know play from ahead and Indianapolis had to play from behind and throw more, um, but if Indianapolis is able to keep their game script and play on schedule, I definitely think that that benefits Zach Moss more than Deion Jackson. All right, now I do have a few really low-owned plays here. So the Carolina Panthers running backs, Deontay Foreman and Chuba Hubbard. Deontay Foreman is going to be really low owned. He burned a lot of people last week against that Tampa defense. And like Akers, the team owes him nothing long term. So like, you know, they don't have anything to lose by just grounding and pounding with Deontay Foreman all game. And if, you know, they're not exactly trying to lose, they're still, you know, trying to win a little bit. And they're playing New Orleans, who is not a great run defense. They hadn't been that good all season until last week against Philly, actually. So I definitely think that this is a good spot. They're going to run the football. They're not going to let Sam Darnold throw it more than 30 times. They've shown that time in and time out. And so I think that Deontay Foreman is going to be a low-owned, high-upside play. I do like Chuba Hubbard in this one as well. If Carolina is trailing and having to throw the ball, if they're having to play from behind, it definitely benefits Chuba Hubbard. When you look at the two of their snap shares, Hubbard seems to dominate it when the Panthers are trailing. Foreman seems to dominate it when the Panthers are playing from ahead. So I definitely think that both of those guys are options this week, and they will come in with low ownership. 
Latavius Murray is another intriguing one because the Chargers run defense, we've been making money all season just playing guys that are going up against the Chargers, right? But they're getting a little bit better. It's, it's improving, but it's still bottom 10 in the league. And Murray's usage is currently top 10 in the league. They're using him as a workhorse running back. This is another situation where they're not invested in him long term. And so they have nothing to lose by just grinding it out with him. I, I know it sounds kind of like cold to say that, but you got to understand how NFL teams think that you know, you don't want to put tires and mileage. Well, let me rephrase. You don't want to put mileage on a car that you're going to keep forever, right? You, you want to keep it fresh. You would, you don't want to, you know, run it into the ground. If you're going to sell that car in three months though, then, you know, that a little bit of mileage, that, that little bit of mileage that you're going to add on to, it doesn't hurt it all that much. So they're thinking, okay, if we're not invested in this running back long-term, we can give him carries. If we are invested in this running back long-term, we don't want him to get hurt. So that's just kind of how NFL teams operate. You, you know, I know it does sound a little bit cold, but for fantasy purposes, it's definitely something we can take advantage of. Now, there are a few few super high-risk, high-leverage plays, and they are backups who could be in a situation where their starter gets rested. We've already talked about Alexander Madison. I think James Cook is another one. As Buffalo heads into the playoffs, they might rest Devin Singletary. Yes, I did call him Singletary. And then Matt Breida of the Giants. The Giants, I definitely think, will rest Saquon this week. He might get the start, but I don't think he will play very long. And so Matt Breida is a guy that I think has a lot of leverage at that running back position. All right, so that does it for the ground game. Let's go ahead and talk about some wide receivers. So at the wide receiver position, one of just a gut call that I want to make. I think this is going to be a big T Higgins week. I think it was shaping up to be that on Monday night before, you know, the um, DeMar Hamlin situation, you know, prayers up for DeMar Hamlin. That was terrible. Uh, but I r really think that that game was going to be a big T Higgins game, just kind of the feeling that it was going. And so I think this will also be a big T Higgins game for the Bengals. Like I said earlier, Joe Burrow is not going to be able to sit in the pocket and take deep shots. He's going to be wanting to hit these shorter intermediate routes, which bodes into T Higgins' game, right? And Baltimore is the fifth best matchup in the league for wide receiver twos. And T Higgins currently treated as a wide receiver two for the Cincinnati Bengals. So this is a good spot for T Higgins. I would play him over Jamar Chase in this game. Now, another situation that I do want to talk about is the New Orleans Saints. So they've pretty much just played two receivers for the last few weeks, and that's Chris Olave and Rashid Shahid. So last week, I was all out on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers passing offense, and they made me look like a fool by absolutely going off. Mike Evans you know, could have won you your fantasy league or won you a lot of money on DraftKings last week. So the Panthers' pass defense had been pretty stout. One thing I did not take into account, which I should have because I watch the dang team every week, is that the injury to J.C. Horn absolutely just obliterated this secondary. They don't have the depth at the cornerback position to have three of them on the field when J.C. Horn is not one of them. And so this pass defense is going to be very bad with J.C. Horn being out this week. Just based off of that one Mike Evans performance, and, and Chris Godwin had a pretty good game as well, the Carolina Panthers moved all the way up to the second softest matchup in terms of schedule-adjusted fantasy points to wide receivers. They went from, I believe it was, 14th to 2nd in one week. Now, Alave and Shahid are both guys that can take advantage of this. They both average a very high average depth of target, and so they're both getting deep shots thrown at them from Andy Dalton. And... Shahid, believe it or not, has actually out-targeted Chris Olave 10-9 in the last two games that they both played. So I think that Rashid Shahid is definitely a really good value play, and I do like Chris Olave as kind of a mid-range wide receiver option. 
All right, now I do have a few quick hitters for this one. I'm going to kind of just go through these guys pretty quickly. DJ Moore has at least six targets and 18 fantasy points in three straight games. You know, the more to Darn, well, <laughs> the Darnold to Moore connection is really just doing good things for DJ Moore's fantasy season, and he's going to end it on a high note this week. Michael Pittman Jr. is going to be very low owned. I don't like the quarterback situation. You know, I mentioned last week how he averages much more points with Matt Ryan as opposed to anybody else, but he owns Houston. He had 30 fantasy points against Houston in week one. I see no reason to expect anything different here this week. Garrett Wilson could be in line for some regression against Miami. He had 11 targets last week and didn't really turn it into a whole lot. If Mike White is back at quarterback, he's going to keep targeting Garrett Wilson and give Garrett Wilson a lot of upside heading into that game against Miami. Desmond Ritter has started three games for the Atlanta Falcons, and in those three games, Drake London has at least eight targets. I really like Drake London to pay off that price tag, especially considering Tampa may end up resting a lot of their guys in the secondary. This could also be a Greg Dortch week again. San Francisco is the biggest slot funnel in the league. They're so good on the outside at cornerback that it forces teams to throw inside to their slot receivers, and Greg Dortch is a guy for Arizona that has the potential to make them pay. All right, let's go ahead and talk about the tight end position. So, you know, this is going to be the last time I get to say this phrase all season. But death, taxes, and play your tight ends against the Cardinals. And this week, that is George Kittle of the San Francisco 49ers. We talked about last week how Kittle has just been incredible in his career when Debo Samuel is out. I do not expect Debo Samuel to play in this game. So it should bode very well for George Kittle to have a big performance against the Cardinals. And I think he can definitely be worth every penny that you might pay up for. TJ Hawkinson is clearly option number two at tight end on this slate. He had 12 targets last week against Green Bay. So it seemed like once the offensive lineman got hurt for Minnesota, they couldn't keep taking the deep shots to Jefferson and Osborne. And so you saw a lot more targets go shallower to TJ Hawkinson. I think that could definitely be something that happens again this week. Believe it or not, Seattle is currently 32nd in terms of points given up to tight ends on DraftKings, which is shocking because it seems like the Cardinals have been that all season. So if you want to play your tight end against the Seahawks, then Tyler Higby is the guy that's going to be drawing that this week. We mentioned last week, Higby has a pretty solid connection with Baker Mayfield, and he is a guy that gets a lot of targets. Looking further down the board, Tyler Conklin and Noah Fant both have pretty good matchups, um, and they're in pretty good situations. Trey McBride, I really do like. Last week, he had 20 fantasy points with David Blau as the starting quarterback and DeAndre Hopkins out of the lineup. Now, San Francisco is a much tougher defense than Atlanta, but I do think that there is some upside for Trey McBride as pretty much one of the three viable pass catchers for that Cardinals offense that is still there. Now, for the Broncos, the new interim head coach has already committed to playing Albert O. Albert O. Kowebanam, I believe is how it's pronounced. He's already committed to playing Alberto a little bit more in the lineup. And last week, Alberto got himself a touchdown. I actually had a best ball lineup that um, I had kind of forgotten about on FanDuel. And last week, it had a really good game by a lot of guys. I had Mike Evans. And Alberto came in with a touchdown and actually started tight end for me that week. And I won the best ball league um, off partly off of that Alberto touchdown. So uh, it was definitely very interesting to get that lifeline. But I think he's a really good dart throw that... He's a really athletic, really talented prospect that the interim head coach wants to see on the field. Now, before we do our top three stacks, let's go ahead and talk about defense. It's a kind of a tough week to pay down this week because 
a lot of the defenses at the bottom are really bad. Like, it's not that I'm afraid of the matchup. It's that I'm afraid of the defense. They're just not good defenses there at the bottom. So what I would tend to do this week is wait for news on quarterbacks. See if there's any news that uh, the Chargers are going to rest Justin Herbert or the Giants are going to rest Daniel Jones or, you know, something like that. Um, I think that there are a few um, options that I do think are viable right now that are very low down the board. Last week, we paid down and went with the Saints, and it paid huge dividends for us. They were the cheapest defense on DraftKings, or actually maybe the second cheapest defense on DraftKings, and they came through for us with a defensive touchdown against Philly. And so I kind of don't mind going back to that well. Gardner Minshew's a little bit of a gunslinger. He's you know not afraid to throw in tight windows, which leads to turnovers. And so the Giants are that option this week down there at $2,200 on DraftKings. And then the two teams that are for sure going up against backup quarterbacks are the Jets. You know, the Miami Dolphins are likely to be starting Skyward Thompson and the Houston Texans. You know, we know that the Colts are starting Nick Foles. So um, also, I do believe that the Vikings going up against the Bears are an option. Playing your defense against Nathan Peterman is never a bad situation, even though they are a little bit more expensive. All right. That does it for the position-by-position analysis. Let's talk real quick about my best stacks heading into this weekend. So I do have three stacks that I will be incorporating this weekend. Um, I definitely think that these three teams are the best and easiest option in terms of stacking and have a lot of clarity in terms of what they have to play for and who they're going to be playing with. So the first stack that I want to talk about is a Dallas Cowboys stack. I went with Dak Prescott, C.D. Lamb, and Michael Gallup. And just those three, for an average remaining salary for the rest of my lineup, I had 51.83 left on DraftKings and 64.16 left on FanDuel, which on FanDuel, that's a really good margin for building out a lineup because especially considering you still have your tight end and your defense left that can give you some salary relief. Now, if you wanted to make it a little bit cheaper, you could switch Michael Gallup to Dalton Schultz, or you could switch him to T.Y. Hilton, who has been a surprise ad and actually played pretty well for the Dallas Cowboys. And then for a bringback, I think the commanders, we need to know who's playing at quarterback before we decide on our bringback. If Taylor Heineke starts, Terry McLaurin is definitely the obvious bringback. Heineke targets McLaurin more than any other quarterback. And then if it's Wentz, you know, last week we were all over Jahan Dotson and Curtis Samuel, and neither of them had great weeks, but it did seem that Dotson was getting a bigger share of the targets. So definitely Dotson in my opinion, if Wentz is the starter. And that'll give you some sour relief that you can go pay up at another wide receiver or running back position. Now, a Cincinnati stack is going to be a little more expensive. I would go with Burrow, Chase, and Higgins, which gave me an average remaining of 44.50 on DraftKings and 59.16 on FanDuel, which is pretty tough. Like that, like that doesn't give you a whole lot of room to work with. But keep in mind, you still have your tight end and your defense to give you some sour relief. However, my favorite bring back would actually be at the tight end position. It would be Mark Andrews. He had nine targets last week, which is more than the entire Baltimore wide receiver position combined. So I I don't know. I'm, I'm not a big fan of playing the Baltimore wide receivers. However, they would give you a lot of sour relief that would allow you to make this stack work. I definitely think that Andrews would serve as a bring back because if the Ravens are going to score a lot of points, it would be with Mark Andrews. Now, the last stack that I do want to talk about is the San Francisco stack. We talked about this last week, and it actually worked really well for us. We go with Brock Purdy, Christian McCaffrey, and George Kittle, which would leave the wide receiver position all open to play three guys from a different team. Now, this would give you an average remaining of 48-33 on DraftKings and 59-16 on FanDuel, 
What's interesting is that 5916 is the same number that we had for the Bengals stack, but on DraftKings, there's 400 more dollars average remaining. So on, Dra on DraftKings, this stack gives you a lot of value, y'all. And you can have a lot of options for building out the rest of your lineup. Like I said, the whole wide receiver position is open. So you could bring it back with Hollywood Brown or Greg Dortch. Dortch would give you a lot of salary relief. Or you could even get really creative and really um, individual. Like no one else is going to do this. You could bring it back with Trey McBride with two tight ends. And that would give you a whole lot of salary to play with at the other positions that you could pretty much play almost whoever you wanted at the remaining spots. Now, honorable mention, I do think that these four teams are worth mentioning as a stack option, but I'm not going to kind of, you know, flesh them all out here today. The Jets, Vikings, Seahawks, and Eagles, I would have no problem stacking either of those four offenses. All right, so now that we got those stacks and we got all the plays for all the positions from earlier in the show, so that should give you all the information you need to know about playing DraftKings and FanDuel here on Week 18. Remember, some of this stuff that I said on here could go out the window real quick if, you know, teams announce that they're resting starters or, you know, somebody gets hurt, you know, whatever. Um, just stay tuned and stay locked into the injury news and, you know, the start sit news this week and what teams plan to do with their starters as they prepare for the playoffs. Um, week 18 is always wonky. This one actually looks to be not as wonky as usual. So that's the good news. But just make sure you're staying up to date in terms of um, that stuff. You know, if you don't follow Adam Schefter, Ian Rappaport on Twitter, those are probably the two, you know, most generalized names in the business. Um, and then all your favorite fantasy analysts will be keeping you up to date as well. All right, so that does it for the show. Like I said earlier, check out the podcast feed. We've got a preview for Saturday's NFL DFS action on there, as well as a college football showdown preview for the national championship game Monday night. Really looking forward to that one. So make sure you check out either of those two episodes if you're playing DFS for them. Um, I will be back next week doing NFL for the playoffs, as well as college basketball. Um, and then maybe even a little bit of NBA. We'll see. Uh, the PGA Tour is also coming back next week as well. Um, so I will be doing a golf episode next week. So make sure you rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast feed. It really helps me out a lot. Uh, and then please support all the sports that we do here on the show. It really does help me out a lot. All right. So best of luck to all you, you guys in your DFS contest this week. Thank you guys for listening, and I will see you all next time.